for joining me on, uh, you know, what is Easter Saturday. I believe it is a strategic moment. It's a strategic moment just very simply because we are between uh, Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday. But I also believe that we are in a strategic moment for God's purposes in the nation and in our lives. And we do recognize that a moment uh, prophetically is not necessarily the same as, you know, we would see a moment. But nevertheless, you know, God has been preparing us. He is preparing us. And I believe uh, very much that he is preparing the hearts and minds uh, of people around us to receive, you know, his word at this time. We've all been watching what's been going on through lockdown. You know, there's been lots of dispersing. There's been lots of realigning. There's been lots of restoring. There's been lots of regrouping and reconnecting and all of those things that are happening all at the same time almost. But I call this moving out in righteousness. And for me, the most significant part of that expression is the moving out, but that word righteousness because righteousness is to do with being rightly aligned. That's what the word means. It's not our traditional sense of holiness and, and all of those things, which if you've been in churches a long time, tends to you know, be around the things that you don't do rather than the things that you do. But righteousness, biblically, is being rightly aligned. And it means that for me, yes, that is to do with how do I align horizontally? Where do I connect horizontally? But the most important part of that is, am I rightly aligned vertically? What is my relationship with God like? You know, am I really connected at this point with him? What he is saying both across the big picture, but to me individually, so that as I step out, whatever that looks like for me, I align with his choices, I align with his will, I align with his values, all of those things, that it for me is what righteousness is really about. It's being rightly aligned with him. It is a nation season. I don't think there's a lot of doubt on that now. We can look and we can see how God, God's hand is on nations, how all sorts of things um, are going on across nations. But nations are made up of individuals. So what I tend to say is, you know, whatever God is doing in our lives, you know, he's doing in the nation and, and what he's doing in the nation, he's doing in our lives. So there's this whole aspect of alignment, which is so significant for us, but it's also significant for the nation. There's been a lot of emphasis on identity. Who are we? What does it mean to be the children of God? Who has God, who's God made me to be individually? And I believe that it's a season for, uh, you know, the identity of nations is, you know, what God created them to be, to come out and to, to come forth. So there's all of those aspects that we are looking at. And just as I go through today, there are the two aspects. One is it's a moment to, you know, to, to take another step for some in removing some of the blockages and the hindrances in our lives. But it's also 
a moment to recognize that, you know, God talks about turning, even to Chronicles 7 scripture talks about turning and it's about turning so that we are going forward in the way that God wants us to go forward. And uh, I just, you know, Jesus, one of Jesus's statements was all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. And therefore, you know, I send you. And that word authority, I'll come back to it probably in a second, but it, it really revolves around the legal right. That's what uh, authority is about. Power is something different. Power is the ability, the power to do something. Authority is the legal right to do it. And so Jesus is saying after his death, after his resurrection, I now have the authority. I have the legal right in both heaven and earth to send you out. And yet we recognize that there are natural, you know, relationships and, and all sorts of things. But Jesus has the legal right to send us out. And he says, go into the, all the world and make disciples of all nations. One of the other very familiar scriptures is pray kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that is the picture really, If and you'll find I, I refer to the Roman Empire a bit and the British Empire, but wherever the Roman Empire went, they made the territories that they, uh, that they took look like Rome. So they built Roman roads, and we know we have straight roads in certain places in this nation because that's how Rome built their roads. You know, they had... They built buildings that looked like Rome and they actually made the culture function like Rome. And the men who headed that up and took the resources and oversaw so much of that were called apostles. That was a Roman word. And so, you know, Jesus is saying heaven to earth, you know, on earth as it is in heaven i want the very culture the goals the principles the purposes of heaven to be released onto the earth through my people and i'm just i you know i'm just trying to put some basics in place here i i love daniel 7:14 to him looking towards the Messiah, to him was given the dominion and the glory and a kingdom. And I, I use the word era. I tend to say we're in a new era. I know there are lots of seasons and so forth within that, and I don't know how long that era will be, and I'm not talking about dominionism. But I do believe the three aspects um, of what, the, you know, the, the big the big picture of what God is doing right now is that it's the era of his kingdom. It's the era of his glory. And it's the era of his dominion. And I believe that all of those three in that verse, just for me, are connected. And this is a whole different era. And as I said, we've got no idea how long this will be. And I've talked a lot in the past about the kingdom, 
the glory, his glory is something quite different. Um, you know, when Moses said, show me your glory, actually what God did was he caused his goodness to pass before Moses. And there is a very strong aspect, an element where this glory of God is about what is he really like? What is this God who we serve really like? Are we really, <clears throat> do we really understand? Do we really have a revelation that the first thing that God wanted, you know, Moses and the people to recognize about him was his goodness? that he is good. And, uh, you know, Jehoshaphat, when he sent his armies out and time and time again through the, the Old Testament, you have this phrase, uh, which I now just forgotten. <laughs> I was just going to flow with it. Um, you know, uh, that his goodness and his mercy endure forever. And there are aspects that so, so of the, of who God is, that we have so um, thought of him as this distant God, as this uh, judgmental God, this harsh God. And yet what God says about himself and what he wanted men and women to see was his goodness and his mercy, first of all. And uh, I was listening to Paul Mann Waring a couple of weeks ago, and you may have heard him speak or read one of his books, but he talks about God's glory being the very essence of who God is. And so it's a, it's a season for this kingdom to, it's a season for the people of God to have the same focus that Jesus had, which was his kingdom would come. It's a season for his glory, the very essence of who God really is to be revealed. And it's an era of his dominion, his sovereign rule and reign to be established. And all of those, believe it or not, he does through you and me. That's the goal. We partner with him to see all of those things established. And so the dominion mandate, which uh, really God began to speak to me about, if you heard me uh, last time on this seminar, or maybe I've mentioned it elsewhere, God drew my attention, first of all, just by a very simple revelation in the scriptures, which I'll share with you in a moment, but simply about a whole story around a key. And so I knew that God was speaking to me and the word was, it's an ancient key. And so this isn't just something that I started to teach on and thought, oh, that's a good plan. It was something that God really gave to me. <clears throat> And he is getting ready to release this revival. But I believe we're going to see a revival that contains within it transformation, where people go out and they have the ability to not only, you know, preach the gospel and see people saved, but that has a transformational effect within our communities and across our nation. But if we just go to Genesis um, 1, and as you start to just look that up, Genesis 1, verse 27 or 28, I think it is. I do believe that God is realigning people with himself. He's realigning people with each other in different ways. He's realigning nations with himself, and he's realigning nations 
with each other. And for us, you know, Brexit was an element of that, um, but the, it's much, much bigger than that. It's much more than that. And I believe that his spirit is blowing to put new partnerships in place, even across nations, and new alignments in place, even across nations, partly so that his gov so government and trade and security information sharing and all those things can be put in place the way God wants them put in place, but also that the spiritual connections that he wants established will be established. And if you know, if you listen to me for very long, you'll you'll recognize that I believe God has a call on this nation. God has a call on every nation. But I believe God has a very specific call on our nation. I believe it's rooted in our history. Uh, but we are a nation, I believe, which is called to influence nations. I believe we carry leadership as a nation. I believe we carry government as a nation. Uh, and there's an apostolic element of mothering and fathering, which is upon our nation. But our nation is made up of people. And what will bring these things about that, you know, our nation stepping into its call will be when the, the people of God step fully into their call. And so, you know, lots of people talk about sheep and goat nations. I tend to look at the moment, I believe, um, a, a word over this whole um, lockdown year has really been family. Before that, for me, I felt that the weight was on government. It was all about what God was doing in government, and that hasn't stopped. But because probably of the build-up to Brexit, there was a massive weight on this was a governmental season. And it is still across this nation and many nations. There are lots and lots of elections taking place, significant elections. We can just look at Germany as one example of the way leadership is shifting and changing. And that's just one example. But I, and for this year, for me, just beginning of last February, God just dropped that word family into my mind. And I think it has been a season. We know it's been a season for family. For many, it's been very difficult. And that's all been in the news for many uh, single parents. It's been difficult and all of those things. But it's also been very restorative for many families. And fathers have had more time, you know, with their children. Husbands and wives have had time together. Family units have had time together in a different way than they've had for, for many years. And so there's been that weight on this word family. And family is one of God's building blocks. If you look through Genesis, you know, you have the creation of Adam and Eve. But then he says, you know, you will leave your father and your mother, which was interesting because they didn't have a father and a mother to leave. And, uh, you know, basically God is speaking about he will establish this family, this nuclear unit, nucleus uh, of, a, of a family. But I believe God is also establishing families of nations. And, um, and it did occur to me, I was just chatting to somebody this week, that we are looking at, 
you know, as we have the nuclear family and the extended family in our natural individual worlds, we have this nuclear family, which I believe is England, Ireland, Scotland and Wales, and uh, where Southern Ireland, you know, would fit into that, you know, many people would have an opinion on that aspect. So there's that nuclear family, but there's also the extended family for us as a nation. And so, you know, if you historically, that's been the Commonwealth, um, America as well. And, you know, I just believe that God is realigning. He is regrouping these families. And it's not that anything has to look like it used to in the past entirely, but there are, there are roots, there are seeds, there are things that, you know, that we can pull from the old because they were God given. God put them there. God made those initial alliances. You know, God spoke into the very foundations of this nation and he wants to, you know, pull those seeds and, and maybe water those so that in the future, as we go forward, the godly aspects of all of those things are part of the days to come. So, it was interesting when God started to speak to me about dominion, that suddenly, as often happens, you know, you, you find the word that God has given to you crops up in other places, and you start to hear it around and about. And uh, somebody just put on a little WhatsApp group that I'm part of. Oh, there's this book about by a guy called Tom Holland called Dominion and how Christianity shaped the West. And I thought, oh, that's in that's that's really interesting actually. Um, and that was something that I started to look at. And of course we had all the issues around the US election and the Dominion machines and suddenly this word Dominion seemed to crop up in insignificant Places, But basically what Tom Holland says in his book, which is very well researched, is that dominion was the, man, the mandate which shaped the mindsets of the West for generations. And so that dominion man, mandate and mindset actually lay behind so much of the expansion of Christendom from the 16th century forwards. And we know that that was mixed because there is no doubt that the gospel went out, but that it didn't necessarily go out with the purity that was what God wanted. And that actually it did a lot of damage in a lot of places and it was wrongly used, but it was a mindset and so why I want to teach this is because we need to make sure that our minds are right, that we really understand some of these terms, because then that has to filter through to how we pray, has to filter through even to our emotions, and I'll speak into that later. So authority is about legal right. Power is about the ability to do the task authority, the right to do it, and dominion is about ruling and reigning. And, you know, if we look at our 
nation, if you look at our monarch, and this is, I think, really key for the people of God, she, let me get this the right way around, she reigns, but actually her rule is very limited. She reigns, but she doesn't make our laws. She reigns, but she doesn't choose, you know, whether, whether we go to war. She doesn't choose whether our armies are deployed and all of those things. Yes, she has a, you know, theoretical yes and no at, on many of those issues, but the power is largely within government. So she reigns, but her ruling is limited. And we reign because we're the children of God. But I'm not sure that we have yet really grasped what ruling looks like in God's hands. And so we carry authority as the church. Jesus has given us the legal right to go and to make disciples of other nations. You know, and to bring in this kingdom. And the kingdom is my favorite message. It's about, you know, it's spiritual. It, it, it's very DNA increases. It's very DNA expands. It's supernatural. Um, but it carries the heart and the values of the king. That's his kingdom. But we're also, as the church, called to govern in the spiritual realm. This is all around the ecclesia. And I believe right now that he is giving his people, the, the, he's opening that door for this fresh governmental authority to come on his people, which isn't just about praying for government in the natural, but it's about the authority to actually speak his word from the throne of heaven and therefore see it come about because it is his word. And so there's all of um, that uh, outworking of, of being in that place to listen and to hear. But um, Matthew eleven twelve is one of those scriptures that I never really understood for a very long time, which says, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. And I was like, it's, you know, you get these scriptures and you think, oh, Lord, I'm not quite sure I really get that. But I love the Passion Translation. And it says, from the moment that John stepped onto the scene until now, the realm of heaven's kingdom is bursting forth. And passionate people have taken hold of its power. And... The early church had an understanding of what this scripture was about. It was about a heart connection to God, a heart connection to Jesus that created this passion within them and enabled them in the face of huge opposition to keep going forward, to keep talk, you know, declaring the kingdom, to uh, keep speaking uh, salvation and the message of salvation. And, you know, where... Uh, it talks about the gates of Hades will not prevail against the church in Matthew 16. The picture is of the church advancing in that scripture. 
That is, the church is called to be advancing. We are not the ones who are called to be reacting to what is going on around the, the earth. We are the called to be the ones who are hearing from heaven, watching what God is doing, and then starting to advance the kingdom according to his word and his plan. And as we doing that, if we're aligned with him, the gates of hell actually can't prevail. That does not mean it's going to be easy. It does not mean we will not go through trials or we will not go through persecution. It means that the church and the kingdom of God goes forward. And many of you will just know this. I'm just putting some clarity in, but Mark's gospel, go into all the world and preach the gospel is the message of salvation. But the message of the kingdom includes that message of salvation. It just takes it just that little bit further. And so the kingdom isn't just about the salvation message. The kingdom is concerned about things like sickness. It's concerned about things like poverty. It's concerned that people are set free. It's concerned that the hungry are fed. It's concerned about righteousness and about justice. And uh, a quote that I, I found in one book that I read was, loving your neighbor as yourself can only really truly come about if we are concerned about the laws and the communities and the societies which govern and affect our neighbors' lives. And so there's this whole mix right now of revival and transformation, which really is, is where I'm getting to. And I just believe that uh, in the early church, you know, basically, apart from the fivefold ministers and the, the people that were following them, people functioned where they were at. They preached the gospel. They, you know, spoke the messages for salvation. They healed the sick. They did those things in the context of their everyday life. And, and really, I believe that that is the place that God would want to bring so many of us to. We have to have this massive emphasis of going back into the community, you know, going back into the marketplace, being involved in, in government and media and those things, because historically over the last, certainly as long as I've been a Christian, and I came out of a non-Christian environment, converted in my teens, the message was really about withdrawing from the world coming out of those things, the church was where we were meant to be focused, where we were meant to function, where we were meant to find friends, where we were meant to find fellowship, all of those things. And some of that is right. But this whole message about withdrawing, I don't believe was ever God. And so God is, is having to bring a balance now. And so we have this, you know, impetus in the prayer movement and in, and in, churches are hearing from God to to send our, our younger people back into the, that place in the world so that they're positioned to preach the gospel. They're positioned to say that isn't right. You know, they're positioned to bring integrity and honesty and justice. 
And so, Lord, let's just pray just for one moment, just over that. But, Lord, we want to ask forgiveness, Lord, where we have come into agreement with that sacred, secular divide, Lord God, as your church. And we just ask forgiveness, Lord, where we have dishonored or, Lord, almost sidelined those that felt called to the marketplace. And Lord, we just repent before your throne and we just bless every individual, whether they're older or younger, who is feeling that call right now. And I talk about marketplace, but it could be into your community, into your neighborhood. It could be right up into those higher echelons of government. And Lord, we just bless them to fulfill your purposes in those places. In Jesus' name. It's interesting that um, even recently the Chinese have, uh, have made a statement saying that they attribute the success of the West to Christianity. And it's so, you know, that so, so many other nations outside of the West recognize where our success and where we're rooted. And yet, you know, within our own nation, so often that's that's been forgotten or uh, laid to one side. So the Dominion Mandate. I gave you Daniel 7.14 just now. Um, Daniel 4 verse 3 says, How great are his signs and how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And his dominion is from generation to generation. However well we or badly we do this, God's purposes are never going to be stopped. His, his dominion goes from generation to generation to generation. And we have to have that mindset as his people. This is not just about me and mine in my life. It's not just about me and mine, you know, in my generation. It is about our sons and daughters. It's about our grandchildren, our great grandchildren, our spiritual grandchildren. You know, it's about the generations that are to come. So Genesis, where did it begin? Genesis 1, 28. And then God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. And it's very interesting, I'm not going to do this now, to look at the scriptures that tell us where we have dominion and what we have dominion over. Um, I can't remember if I've got the quote now, but I came across a quote that's saying, you know, um, Mankind, we have been given dominion over the earth. So it is not surprising that as we don't have not stewarded the earth according to the dominion that God gave us, that we're having some of the issues that we do have. And that there, I do believe that there are, um, I'm sure they're positioned out there, I just don't know them. There are men and women who God has appointed and called right now into these whole issues of um of the earth and, and climate change and and all of that stuff and their role is actually to to be involved with some of these these um areas which are beyond me 
So the kingdom, his dominion are inseparable. And some of you will know um, the quote uh, that uh, I think it's Bill Johnson came out with that kingdom is can be referred to as the king's domain. It's where his rule is established. And so kingdom and the king's domain are really different ways of saying the same thing. And if you look at that scripture in Genesis and, uh, you know, Adam and Eve, they were put in the garden and then they were told to fill the earth and subdue it. Read it with this revelation that God's heart is good and his God's heart is to bless and his you know, heart is to release fruitfulness and multiplication and life, even as you read that scripture. But I always had this sense of, you know, Adam and Eve in this garden, which had specific boundaries around it, and they're told to go and fill the earth. And so right from the beginning, there is this territory taking aspect to the kingdom and to mankind. And God is putting his hand on that again. It's time whether our territory is, you know, to touch the lives of people just within our own street or whether it's, you know, to actually go into a very dark, um, uh, uh, what would you call it, community, a very dark um, housing estate and bring the light of the gospel and change, whether it is wider than that in terms of some of the spheres of our land. It's a time for the light to cause the darkness to give way. The word dominion itself can be a verb or it can be a noun. So um, you have this word dominion, which means the right of governing. It means sovereign authority. It's about rule. It's about control over a territory or a sphere of influence. And then the noun, obviously, that goes is associated with it is the territory over which, you know, a sovereign or a single rule is established. And it was this whole expansion aspect of the gospel, this whole go into the world, you know, and make disciples that, that became connected with Christendom and with the Roman Empire and all of that as it went out from us in our empire and it began to shape the West. And we know that it was, you know, some of the outworkings of that were slavery, it was lots of robbery of nations, resources, and even of their identities. And I was very struck, and I may have said this last time, and this will mean more to some of you than to others, but as I look back over our nation, I lived originally in St Albans, some of my friends from St Albans are, are on this, this webinar, but St Albans was known as the first Christian martyr in this nation, but he came as a Roman soldier. So the very one of those very first um, uh, places or, or roots of Christianity into this land was actually 
through the military of Rome. Then you had after that now Celtic Christianity, uh, you know, we, we talked about, I'm not going there right now, but then you have this whole Roman Empire, the Holy Roman Empire, sorry, which came later and impacted Celtic Christianity. And we have, um, you know, some of the, uh, uh, you know, it shut down a lot of Celtic Christianity and pushed Celtic Christianity back to the extremes of, of our nation and into Ireland. But then even when we were, um, when we became attached to the EU, the biggest shift which attached us financially through the to the EU came through the Treaty of Rome. And I just went, that's just so interesting, Lord, because I live in Windsor and what part of my mandate here is to sort of pull out and to separate what is this kingdom about and what is this empire spirit because Windsor is known as the seat of the empire. And so I'm always looking at it from that perspective. 